a gun in the face. Then all of a sudden, they all kind of lined up. They pointed their guns at me. And this is the point where I thought, I'm going to die today. Started two years of horror for an American in Venezuela. They said, you need to give us your phone and get ready because you're coming with us. I'm Becky Bruce, and I spent a year researching and piecing together Josh and Tammy Holt's story about their ordeal in a notorious prison. That's when everything started to turn bad. We had another pound on the door. Boom, boom, boom. And there was the police once again. You can binge all of the episodes of Hope in Darkness on kslpodcasts.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Where KSL offers Utah deeper insights on the news. Host Boyd Matheson divides rage from reason and elevates the conversation on issues crucial to our community. On KSL News Radio 102.7 FM and 1160 AM. Last week, President Biden delivered a primetime address to the nation. More campaign speech than talking to the nation as a president normally would. He called out his political opponents as threats to the country, that uh, very democracy was uh, at stake. And is this just one more example of welcome to the new boss, same as the old boss? Let's begin. Think you know the news of the day? Think again. Well, as the president spoke last week, uh, I couldn't help but notice, hard not to notice, There was an eerie echo in what he was saying. It sounded so familiar. Uh, Someone who really dug into that, uh, J.D. Tuchili, who we love to have on this program, is one of the great thinkers out there. And uh, J.D., you uh, penned a a great piece talking about President Biden really just peddling kind of a slightly different version of authoritarianism. Yeah, it sounded awfully familiar. I mean, kind of the same wording, kind of the same tone, the same divisiveness as we saw under the last guy. I mean, and in fact, um, two days after uh, Biden denounced Republicans as, um, you know, know, a threat to the country and as not respecting the Constitution, Trump shot back in in his usual style, calling uh, Biden a uh, enemy of the state. I mean, we're seeing this this convergence. We talk a lot about polarization, you know, uh, Republicans and Democrats pulling apart. Um, and I think there's a lot of true in terms of their animus towards each other. They are pulling apart in terms of being in terms of tolerance, but they're also transforming. Mm-hmm. I mean, we're seeing well, this is a, you know, a liberal democracy. It's a country where elections are held on a regular basis. Policy is determined by elections. You, know, you win, you lose as part of the game. Um, But we're seeing both major political parties becoming increasingly intolerant, increasingly authoritarian, and increasingly willing to discard things like free speech, um, the give and take of of election losses, and and limits on their power. I mean, that's a big one right there. So we end up with this kind of a chilling but very familiar uh, lecture to the country by the president of the United States, identifying himself as the president, not as a political candidate, using the podium and the imagery of the president presidency to denounce his political opponents as enemies of the republic and that's very dangerous yeah and that uh, one of the things that, that bothered me the most last week and i'm i'm equal opportunity offender uh the thing that bothered me most last week was this was an address to the nation uh which is different from a political speech different from a convention speech uh and yet you know with all of the weird imagery and the lighting 
uh, you know, to go to Philadelphia and have Marines and Marine Band all at taxpayer expense. Uh, but this clearly wasn't uh, wasn't an address to the nation. I've never missed an address to the nation as long as I can remember, because every time I hear that, I think, oh, this is important. The president wants to talk to the people. Uh, and yet we ended up with this very divisive uh, political speech uh, that, to me, undermines the credibility, the trust uh, in the office itself. Yeah, we've gotten used, I think, to political candidates on the trail um, representing their parties and their points of view, saying awful things about their opponents. It's kind of the give and take. But when you're actually in office and using the seal of the presidency and you're you're flanked by members of the military, uh, you really are supposed to take a different tone. Now, that doesn't mean that, um, you know, Politicians are always good about that, but it does mean it's, it's frightening, it's disturbing to step out of what we should find acceptable when they go beyond that. And I'll note that several of the networks looked at the, uh, the script for the speech and said, oh, no, you don't. And they didn't air it. They didn't air this and they didn't make it into most of the broadcast networks because they said this is a political speech. It's not the president addressing the nation and we're not going to be part of giving you campaign time for free. That's not going to happen because it was a political speech and it was a nasty political speech. It was one where he questioned the allegiance to the Constitution and the appropriateness of the opposing party. Now, I've got a lot of doubts myself about the Republicans. I mean, I, I've referred to Trump as a wannabe Cudillo, you know, a strong man, you know, a, a wannabe leader. And unfortunately, the supporters of both major parties kind of buy into this stuff. They do vilify each other. They say horrible things about each other. You know, they're bullies. They're illegitimate. They're threats. There's also a lot of support out there um, when they do polling, Um, up to three quarters, uh, actually up to about half the population, Republicans and Democrats alike, say that they're open to the idea of a president who is not hampered by Congress or the courts in doing what needs to be done. And, of course, they entirely disagree on what it is that needs to be done. So there really is an openness there to this authoritarianism that Biden is now peddling and that Trump peddled before him and that Biden, you know, Trump seems willing to shoot back at Biden when he's on the trail. Um, We're kind of seeing the whole political culture move in this very unpleasant, very authoritarian, very intolerant direction. Yeah, and and isn't that ultimately the... It's sort of the exhausted end, I think, uh, and, and we know that uh, that dictators have used division as a way to hold on to power uh, for centuries. If you convince people they're too divided, then uh, they can't solve anything, and then they do need a strong man or a strong woman to step in and just take full control. Uh, and is is this just kind of the exhausted end where the American people are saying, "Okay, fine, just give us just give us someone who will do who will do something." Well, that's a real danger. I mean, yeah. you've seen I mean, this. We're supposed to be beyond that. This is the U.S. I mean, we're supposed to be this established republic that's resistant to this sort of thing, which is true right up until it's not, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. And we have seen this before. I mean, when you stop painting the opposing you know, political parties as being wrong and you start saying instead they're threats, they're dangers, they're illegitimate, their voices shouldn't be heard. Well, then you start justifying extraordinary actions, such things as working with, say, social media companies to suppress viewpoints that you think are uh, disinformation, that your government claims is disinformation. And, of course, you always have the regulatory power to threaten them, even if they don't agree with you, and to control them into um, into compliance. Um, you start um, looking at the population as justifying things like, you know, the, the polling numbers I just quoted, where close to half the population wants a strong man who isn't constrained by 
you know, by Congress or the courts and can just do what they want that strong man to do. I mean, that's extraordinarily dangerous if it actually happens. And a lot of the population wants to see that happen, or at least says they do. Uh, if we continue moving in that direction, and we've moved really far in that direction just in the last few years, um, it does mean something, yeah. a, a dramatic break with a limited government of the past and something awful that's not um, a free country coming up in the future. Yeah. And so finally, J.D., what's what's the path? Where do we, where do we go from here? What should we, the people, be thinking about as we start to turn our attention towards the fall and obviously what will be a very contentious midterm? I'll admit I'm not optimistic. I mean, the polling numbers, the uh, the behavior of, pl- of public officials, um, and the growth of the governance intrusiveness um, are not moving in a direction we want to see. And in the past, I've said I, I think we're already kind of in that period that Italy was in the 1970s, where where these structures of government remained in place. We had this kind of a soft civil war playing in the background, and it wasn't so soft for those who were killed in it. Um, I think we're kind of in that now. We're seeing it starting. Maybe I'm being too pessimistic, but the uh, the symbols, the omens don't look good to me, and I and I don't think we're going into a good place, at least for the next couple of years. Yeah. J.D. Chichilis, the current contributing editor, Reason.com, uh, one of the great writers you really need to check out, uh, J.D., and his content. It is brilliant thinking. It is fantastic writing, and it'll make you think again in terms of where we are and where do we go next. And is it just another version of authoritarianism? Is it old boss, same as the new boss? Uh, Are we seeing the similar kinds of things from President Biden that we saw from former President Trump? Where's the conversation go? What do we the people do? And how do we move this forward so that we don't end up in the authoritarian trap? A gun in the face. Then all of a sudden, they all kind of lined up. They pointed their guns at me. And this is the point where I thought, I'm going to die today. Started two years of horror for an American in Venezuela. They said, you need to give us your phone and get ready because you're coming with us. I'm Becky Bruce, and I spent a year researching and piecing together Josh and Tammy Holt's story about their ordeal in a notorious prison. That's when everything started to turn bad. We had another pound on the door. Boom, boom, boom. And there was the police once again. You can binge all of the episodes of Hope in Darkness on kslpodcasts.com or wherever you get your podcasts.